Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. To close out our home division previews, We'll revisit our chief rival and the king of the North Division for five out of the last six seasons and none other than the Green Bay Packers. Can the pack hit crown number six or will a new king emerge? Evan Western of SB Nation's Acme Packing Company joins us on the final NFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Well, Bear fans, we have finally come to the end of the road. Our final opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. Part number three of the NFC North closing things out with the Green Bay Packers. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the NFC North finale. And actually the finale of all our opponent previews. But we still have one more to go with our own beloved Chicago Bears coming up later on. Uh, next week, we'll have Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com uh, from USA Today to uh, help us preview it. And uh, you probably hear us hash it out over that quarterback thing, which is why I wanted him uh, to be on the show. So um, we got that to look forward to. We got Evan Western from Acme Packing Company, one of my favorite guests uh, back on the show to talk about 2016 and the, the epic run that the Packers went on there at the end of the season after after Aaron Rodgers went on the radio and told everyone they were going to do it and, um, you know, get his, uh, we talk a bit about Ty Montgomery making the switch from wide receiver to running back and why I thought the press made a bigger deal about that than they should have. And, uh, uh, and everything else, um, an, an unusual off season for green Bay where they lost a lunch, a lot of free agents and signed uh, a bunch as well. I think the, the joke for me and Evan was uh, last year we were like, whoa, you guys signed two free agents, and this year they signed like five or six uh, to replace some of the guys that they let go, So, uh, including our former tight end himself, Martellus Bennett, and uh, we'll talk about him a bit as well. So, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a bittersweet thing coming to the end of this road here because, uh, you know, as I've stated before, I've had a blast doing these, these interviews, uh, cranking out these episodes. It has helped me get through this time of year that I that I hate the most. Uh, I've never been a big fan of summer, uh, other than it's uh, the symbolicness of uh, meaning no school when, when I was a kid and, and everything. Uh, now as an adult, it's just, I mean, we don't get summer breaks anymore. And, you know, I didn't become the teacher I thought I wanted to be when I was a kid. Um, you know, so I don't get the summers off. I got to go to work every day just like everybody else. Uh, Monday through Friday, so I get to hate the summer on two levels uh, at that point with the heat and the fact that it doesn't mean vacation anymore and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
you know, but it's helped me get through this this time of year. And uh, when we wrap up the show next week with uh, with Lauren, um, we'll be a week away from the Bears kicking things off in Bourbon A. Um, you know, from from there on, it's uh, you know we're only staring at like another three weeks, four weeks at the most. August tenth is when the Bears play their first preseason game against the uh, Denver Broncos, and uh, you know it'll be we'll be we'll be full tilt after that. We'll review that game, and uh, you know the 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 interesting one is that um, the um, uh, dress rehearsal game on the twenty seventh of August against the titans it's that sunday noon game the same same one that they played last year uh against the uh the chiefs which was an utter disaster but um you know see what we can do about uh you know see what we can do with uh with uh with the titans uh this year and uh see what 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 kind of progress we can show that we've made or or what have you going into that dress rehearsal uh game but um you know it's like after this we have to talk with lauren and then we're on a break until that Broncos game, and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about by then, I'm sure. Um, you know, this, uh, Trubisky still hasn't signed his deal, and uh, the the longer it goes, the more I start to get a little nervous about it. And, uh, you know, considering, I, if I'm not mistaken, these are the same guys that held out Joey Bosa last year. So, I mean, this, this kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. That's what the rookie salary cap was made for, so that basically you're – you know, you're just stenciling in what the last guy made and adding a little bit uh, to it, and then that's the contract that you get, uh, kind of thing, uh, and, and getting the the deals done and and so on and so forth. And uh, Trubisky still still unsigned, and I really am not hearing anything about progress or talks or anything like that regarding his uh, contract situation. So, I mean, today's only the 15th. The Bears still have what 12 days before they report to camp 11 days something like that so uh there's still plenty of time uh to get it done but it looks like at this point it's going to come down to the wire uh to try to get that kid in camp on time so uh hopefully the bears and uh trubisky and his people can uh, get that squared away so uh we can go on to uh worrying about how the kid's going to perform in camp and instead of uh, whether or not he's going to actually be there so um, no real news and notes, uh, this week. I mean, no one really made any, uh, uh, headlines of any kind. Uh, the only thing that I read, uh, this week that I thought was interesting was that, um, uh, Mark Slareth, formerly of ESPN, now with Fox Sports, um, uh, making a splash on his, uh, podcast, um, uh, now that he's a new Fox man, uh, talking about Mike Glennon, uh, basically not a fan, uh, not a fan of the Bears making that move. For Trubisky, uh, not a fan of Mike Glennon being the guy the Bears signed to replace Jay Cutler. Um, just not a fan in general of Mike Glennon, uh, saying that he has the longest neck in the league and that he should be in a circus. So, uh, yeah, Schlereth uh, swinging for the fences on that one. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit to Mike Glennon, not, uh, not going to be on the cover of GQ anytime soon, but uh, a circus freak? I don't know, man. That's kind of... That's kind of messed up, but uh, anyway, other than that, it's it's uh, you know like I said, this is that time of year. There's not a lot going on. The only thing really kind of buzzworthy for the Bears would be the fact that Trubisky um, still hasn't signed his contract yet. As far as I know, everybody else is under under contract. All four of our other draft choices uh, are under contract and and uh, and ready to go. Um, oh, uh, one other interesting thing, uh, uh, Akeem Hicks. 
um, signed with Drew Rosenhaus, uh, the uh, the super agent uh, for the NFL, which um, you know hopefully means that uh, the Bears are going to start negotiations on an extension to keep Hicks around for the foreseeable future uh, in a Bear uniform because he only signed a two-year deal with us last year. This would obviously be year number two. And uh, after the way that he performed last year, these are definitely conversations that should be taking place uh, for sure. Uh, Hicks should definitely be uh, in line uh, for an extension to make sure that he stays with us uh, for a while because he was an absolute beast for the Bears uh, last year. And, and it was especially important last season because he was one of the few people that played in all 16 games. I mean, I, that's got to be a short, short list. I mean, even Jarrell Freeman, who wasn't injured. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Missed time because of his suspension. Um, you know, Danny Trevathan went down for a good chunk of the season. People in and out of the secondary and, you know, Eddie Goldman and Mitch Unrein and, you know, all those guys missing time with injuries here and there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. We're signing people off the street to play nose tackle uh, for us last year, and Akeem Hicks was the one guy that was there uh, all along. I mean, even Pernell McPhee missed time. Uh, you know, Leonard Floyd in and out with the concussion issues last year, and we lost Lamar Houston with the knee injury and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, it would be, uh, you know, he was Mr. Reliable last season and performed that way. Uh, throughout the season so not only was he the one that was there every Sunday because he was healthy but he was also the man you know that was performing all 16 weeks as well so it is definitely a priority uh, I feel it should be treated as a priority to get him signed up and uh, locked into a bare uniform uh, for the next several years so uh, hopefully that is a step in the right direction now the fact that it's Rosenhaus who knows but uh, you know if there's a guy that can get it done, that's the reputation that he has. So hopefully Hicks can go out there and uh, make some coin and, uh, you know, get himself into uh, into being a Chicago Bear for the for the future uh, going ahead. So uh, he's going to be an important piece if we can hang on to him. So uh, anyway, like I said, there's not a whole lot, a whole, a whole lot going on uh, right now, not even really league-wide anything we're talking about Uh Michael Floyd, the troubled wide receiver formerly of uh, Arizona now with the, uh, you know, lucked out by latching on with Green Bay there at the end. So, or excuse me, New England, I should say. I uh, got a Super Bowl ring out of the deal uh, after being cut by the Cardinals for, for DUI. Got popped again and has been suspended for four games. Uh, so he will start the first uh, quarter of the season uh, under suspension uh, for the DUI arrests uh, and everything. So, um, 
you know, well, we don't, we play him week five. So, of course, we get to play him his first game back if he's uh, still on the team because um, the one thing in that article that I read was um, Mike Zimmer, head coach of the uh, of the Vikings, said that uh, if he finds out that Floyd lied to him about, uh, about uh, you know, drinking alcohol, then uh, he's going to cut him. So he might not even be on the team after the suspension is over. So. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Apparently, they they were testing him and they found alcohol in his blood, and he was saying that he was drinking uh, kombucha, which uh, I think is like like coffee flavored alcohol or something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, apparently he uh, he was drinking some of that, and uh, that's where they found alcohol. And I don't really know all the details, obviously, but uh, apparently that's that's what he's leaning on. Was uh, he was drinking kombucha? He wasn't drinking alcohol or whatever. So. We'll find out. I mean, he's been suspended four games, that's for sure. But I guess, uh, you know, whatever the Vikings find out will determine whether or not he's still on the team when the when the suspension is up. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and uh, step aside. We'll uh, bring our good friend uh, Evan Western from Acme Packing Company on to help us preview the 2017 Green Bay Packers and how he thinks they'll rebound from last season's tough loss in the NFC Championship game. And here to help us close out this NFC North preview, um, you know, they they say they save the best for last, but um, I'll be happy when this is no longer true, that we get to talk to Evan Last and maybe somebody else or maybe even our beloved Chicago Bears get to do that <laughs> one of these days. But uh, for now, that's what we'll have to settle for. But instead, we'll welcome back uh, Evan Western from Acme Packing Company on SB Nation. Back to the show. Thanks for coming back, uh, Evan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Always, uh, always a good time, and looking forward to training camp in about two weeks. Yeah, you know it's it's amazing how fast it creeps up, especially when this by far is like my least favorite time of year. Um, but uh, for the last couple of years, I've been able to minimize uh, that time by doing this, by having you and everyone else on the show to preview it. So it's kind of a kind of a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other type situation where it's, uh, you know, like I, I look forward to this time of year so I get to do these interviews and, and preview the season and, you know, get in touch with everyone. But I can't wait for it to be over so we can get to football and, and start having some fun. Yeah, I agree entirely. We're kind of, you know, doing the same thing over at Acme right now. We're going through our uh, the, the Packers opponents one by one over the next two weeks right, right until uh, – we lead up to uh, to training camp and just kind of going through the off seasons and everything. So, yeah, it's a slog, but we're almost there. Almost, almost. You know, and also this is my my least favorite time of year because we live in the Midwest, so we can't have summer <laughs> without debilitating humidity uh, outside. Mm-hmm. So you can't really even enjoy the fact that you know it's nice and sunny uh, outside uh, without having uh, you know sweats and just it, uncomfortableness and and all the rest of that fun. So. Uh, be happy when that part is over and you know fall has always been my favorite time of year and and you know football being a part of fall is has always kind of been the icing uh on the cake for it you know yeah yeah no i hear you there we're uh we're right in the middle of that so bring it on absolutely so we we get started with your uh with your packers um you know that aaron Rodgers. we got to keep that guy off the radio man 
Um, because <laughs> he 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 goes on, you know, a couple years back, Mister Re Lax, and you know, after that they go on a tear, and then he goes on the radio mid-season when they're four and six, and uh, Packer fans think that the sky is falling, even though we have you know uh, still a good portion of the season left, and he goes on the radio and he tells everyone that um. He thinks they can run the table, and uh, this is the NFL, and things like that rarely happen, but I'll be damned if you guys don't run the table and end up winning the division. <laughs> it's because at one point, um, I had Jeremy on the show uh, late in the season, and it's uh, week 13, week 14, whatever it is. They're up three games with, or they're up two games with three to go, and they somehow managed to lose the division. Um and, you know, I'm just ranting, Evan. I'm sick of this guy. You know, as a football player, I love Aaron Rodgers. I love to watch him play. The guy's brilliant. I respect everything that he can do. Not even so much, you know, I hate the guy on Sundays when he's playing the Bears or, or anything like that. It's just, dude, what the hell, man? How, how, does he, how did that happen, okay? Because you guys, at the point that he goes on the radio, you're at a portion in the season where you lost five out of six to go from three and one to four and six, staring down the barrel of a bad season. And then what changed after that? Well, I think there was a a couple of things that really played into it. The first thing was Jared Cook came back. Um, He came back the week, uh, the the game right before that, that prediction. And then that, that went down the stretch. And I, I think he really helped open things up a little bit for the offense over the middle. He was drawing some more coverage, um, from the defenses and and drawn some of it away from guys like Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, and, and I think that helped um, open up some of the passing lanes for for Rodgers. One of the other things was you got Ty Montgomery moving into the running back role, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on in a little bit too. But um, he he we, we finally had a, a running back who had a little bit of explosiveness and and you know. Lacey's a, a big, strong guy, but you know he he didn't have the the burst or the explosiveness that Montgomery has. So so we're certainly looking forward to seeing him with a full off season playing running back. Um, the, the defense w- was was battered. I mean, all season long, but you started to see some of the young guys come along a little bit. Kenny Clark started to play real well down the stretch. Dean Lowry, a, a defensive lineman, started to play pretty well uh, t- towards the end of the season as well. And so you got. Um, a little bit of, of play, better play out of your, your front seven, which helped take a little bit of the pressure off of that battered secondary that we had. And so all those things coming together and, and just, you know, Rogers finding a way to, to kind of help will his team to victory. Um, it made for a fun ride over the last six weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's what was most interesting to me is because it's not like you guys just all of a sudden hit an easy patch in the schedule or anything like that. If, if right. anything, the patch that you just came out of would have been considered the easier portion because you, you come out, you, you have that, uh, you, you beat the Giants after the bye week, you then you lose to the Cowboys, you beat the Bears on, on Thursday night in Lambeau, surprise, surprise. Um, but then you, you're at Atlanta, you lose that one and on, on a last-minute touchdown to the Falcons. You go to the Colts who are not having a good year and you lose there. You're at the Redskins. That was Sunday night, and you get blasted on national forty-two to twenty-four. Yeah, um, and that was the you know the, the the end of it there. Before you know, now you're playing the Eagles, who were playing some decent football at the time. You mm-hmm. got the Texans, the Seahawks, then you got the Bears again. Which don't get me started on that game, dude. <laughs> honestly. I mean, we will talk about that for a second because I have a theory you and I didn't get to talk about, but I just 
Ooh, that one steamed me up. And then you, you beat the Vikings again, and then you're at, the, at Detroit um, to close out this six-game win streak to send your team to the playoffs. So it's, it's not like you had, a, you had a drop down in competition and that's what you were able to take advantage of. I mean, just looking at the scores, you basically didn't have a defense for that little six-week period when you lost five out of six. Yep. Your best defensive performance was against the Bears. Uh, we only gave up 10 points. Otherwise, you gave up 30, 33, 31, 47 against the Titans, and then 42 uh, against Washington. And then, you know, the rest of the way, it's 13, 10, 27, 25. You know, obviously not great, but a hell of a lot better than 42 and 47 in the last two games you lost. Yeah, and one of the other reasons for that, too, was um, the Packers got the second-year corners, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, back from groin injuries uh, right around that time that um, – you know, that that Eagles game started that last stretch. Now they were both limited big time in you know the second half of the season, but at least they were back and um, they they were bodies out there that they were able to to contribute some in in the back end. And I think that was that was a big deal. Um, and and this year we're looking for a lot bigger and better things out of both of those guys with them coming back a hundred percent after those injuries. I mean that really um, their, their play for both of those guys was, was way down from the year before. And so ho- hopefully they'll be back um, in a, in a better shape for, for next year. But the, the Seattle game was the one that just, that, that blew me away. And yeah. that was, that game couldn't have started um, in a more perfect fashion with that, that big 60 yard touchdown to Devonte Adams up the right sideline on that opening drive. And then just the way all the bounces started falling the Packers' way with all those those goofy interceptions off of Russell Wilson. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like the last couple times the Packers have played Seattle, they've they've really gotten into Wilson's head a couple, uh, on a few of these games. I mean, he had I'm thinking back. I think he had four, five interceptions in this you know, in that game last year. He had a couple the year before when the Packers beat beat them in Lambeau, um, and then I think he threw four of them in the NFC Championship game where they came back on, on the Packers. Yeah, at so one point, they, uh, I think yeah. he threw more completions to Green Bay than he did to the Seattle Seahawks in that game. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's going to be real interesting with them coming to Lambeau for week one. That'll be a fun um, a fun test to start the year. Um, so so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, and it, it, it's a tough start because you've got Seattle at, at home, then the Packers go down and open up Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta in week two, um, an FC Championship rematch there, um, and then uh, coming home for, for Cincinnati in, in week three. It, it's going to be an interesting start to the season. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the schedule there in, in, in a second, but before we do that, we have to talk about that game between the Packers and the Bears because, <laughs> I mean, talk about a game that was just utter insanity. You know, off to the start, you know, th- things just go all the way, all the way to Green Bay. We're staring down a 27-7 game at one point, and, you know, it, it's looking ridiculous. I mean, to the point where, honestly, I nodded off watching the game, <laughs> you know, because it's like, yeah. okay, well, apparently, you know, Rodgers and company are just going to blow their way through this one, so the next time I open my eyes, this is going to be over and my nightmare will be complete. And, you know, sure enough, you know, my buddy is over here watching the game with me. The Bears score a touchdown. Then they get the ball back, and they score another one. Then they score, get the ball back. You know, again, for like the fourth week in a row, we're making these late fourth quarter comebacks where Matt Barkley looks like an absolute um, genius. So the Bears get the ball. We score the final touchdown. It's – we have a decision to make, okay? And with the Bears at that point in the season – 
what else do we have to play for? What else? Because we're two and whatever or three and whatever the, the schedule was at that point. I want the Bears. I'm screaming for the Bears to, to the point where I hope they can hear me in Chicago from where I live. Go for it. Go for two. <laughs> play to win. What the hell is yep. the difference? Yeah. What's the difference? Instead, Fox plays it safe. He wants to go to overtime, and he gives the ball back to Rodgers and company who decide they are going to play to win. And we find Jordy Nelson wide open down the middle of the field, one-on-one with Craven on the block, which I thought was an, a, a fantastic idea for <laughs> like, like a 60- or 70-yard reception. You kick the winning field goal, and that, that's it. Green Bay wins the game because they were actually trying to win the game. So Fox wants to take his chances in overtime and, and all the rest of that junk, thinking that Rodgers and company are just going to run out the clock and play it safe their, themselves because they're on the road and all the rest of it. No. No, they go ahead and go for it, and yeah, they ended up winning, winning the game. And as the just, <laughs> that's the yeah. one that that's the one loss. I mean, obviously the Tennessee game hurts because Josh Bellamy wide open touchdown in the end zone, he drops it, uh, and everything. That one sucked, but this one was worse because we came from so far behind against a much better team than Tennessee and we could have it, it would have given us a win at home it would have uh, given us another division win it would have you know evened up the series for the season for the second year in a row and it would have killed your playoff chances one loss on that yeah. six year six game winning streak and you're done you don't make the playoffs and it would have done that the bears would have had that feather in their cap to carry into this year but instead they play it safe and now they're watching Green Bay slogged their way all the way to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it's th- that game was crazy because I remember the first half was was just back and forth in a, a you know a classic old Bears Packers game. I think it was like yeah. ten ten at half, and then Julius Peppers on that, that you're right in the beginning in that that third quarter he has the sack strip um, on Barkley you know, recovers the fumble and then the Packers are off to the races in the third quarter and take that big lead. And then, yeah, they go, go out uh, and go three and out twice in the fourth quarter and, and the defense goes into a shell and, uh, and they're forced to, to have a miracle to, to win at the end. So yeah, it was, it was a, it, it was bizarre. And I got, I got to tell you, I, I've watched that game at the Packers bar in Woodland Hills, California. And I've been out there for two Packers Bears games. The other one was Week 17, 2010, when the Packers won that game. Oh. I think ten to ten to three to yeah. sneak into the playoffs Great as the wild game. card. Great! Game. Oh, terrific! I remember. I think Eric Walden had like three sacks in that game or something. But um, but yeah. So so now I got to make sure anytime I go out to Southern California that it's during Bears Packers weekend, so I can uh, <laughs> have good luck watching the watching the game from that bar. Yeah, that game um that game was frustrating to watch cuz we just really couldn't get anything going on offense. But talk about mm-hmm. a that was that was that was, you know, it was fun for me because it was I knew that I was watching football at its highest level and the Bears were involved, which I was just you know, <laughs> that that didn't happen very often, you know. And in, yep. in 2010, the Bears had a great year, won the won the division, made it to the NFC Championship game obviously before what happened happened, but it's just, you know, it was like I knew I was watching high-level football and the Bears were involved. I thought it was great, um, yeah. you know. But unfortunately, we were opening the door for everything else that followed. So anyway, <laughs> um, make it to the playoffs and they stay hot on offense for two more weeks. The The Giants game, a big blowout over the, over the Giants in the wild-card round. And then, you know, Rodgers really, really snorting the fairy dust on that one. That... Uh, <laughs> 
That throw to Jared Cook was just insane um, to set up the uh, the game winning field goal there at the uh, at the end, and it was it was like watching a game of Madden where whoever had the ball last was going to was going to win it, and yep. um, you know Rodgers and company you know got their hands on the ball last there and and were able to uh, literally make magic happen on that last play. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like number one, it was a great throw from Rodgers, but an even better job of Cook with this body control to keep himself in bounds so that the catch would actually count. Absolutely, and it, it was it was funny to hear Randall Cobb talking after the game too that basically saying that Rodgers just threw that play up in the huddle. I mean, it's it's at that point it's like backyard football, mm-hmm. um, and to to put that throw on a dime and, and rolling out the way he did. We we did a breakdown of that play because uh, every year at APC we do a a rundown of our top ten plays of the previous season um, as voted on by all our writers. And not surprisingly, that one came in at number one on our countdown. But uh, I did the I did really? the breakdown of the yeah shocker right. Wow. Um, the the Jordy catch was number two, but um, oh, bastards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, nah, you, you got to give it for the for the setting and in the divisional oh, round of, of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, was, that, that was that was that was the kicker there. That's not a surprise but, at all. Right. Um, but no, just the 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 way that that whole play shook out with. You know, Rogers rolling out to his left, and then uh, Lane Taylor, the left guard, finding a way to to sneak out from um, from the interior of the line and get just a little chip block on a linebacker to to give Rogers just enough time to throw. It was it was pretty nuts. Um, and then you know, Mason Crosby having to go out and hit two fifty yard field goals back to back to to seal the deal. Um, that was that was as as thrilling a uh, an end to a game as I think I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, and as I've uh, I mentioned to a couple of my uh, guests, because we're playing the Falcons this year, so I had a Falcons uh, guy on the show, and then we're just talking to uh, Jeremy just a few days ago about, uh, thank God, for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <laughs> because for two reasons. Number one, uh, well, basically for the same reason, uh, was the, I, don't, I, don't, I know that I would not have been able to stomach two weeks of Brady versus Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. I mean, even you would probably have been sick of it by the time kickoff came around. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, as not even as a Bear fan, but just with the way that they pound that kind of thing home, and they being the media, of course, the whole, you know, Aaron Rodgers being the, the second coming of, of Jesus Christ because he said they were going to run the table and they ran it all <laughs> the way uh, to the Super Bowl. It just would have been... You know, I mean, even as a just forgetting that I'm a Bears fan, just as a football fan, it would have been unbearable by the time the game finally started, as to as to how yeah. you know the media would have played that up for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, if if that had happened, um, Packers fans everywhere would have been biting their nails and and just completely terrified about the the prospect of our, our defense playing against Tom Brady and company, yeah. um, especially the secondary, like. Like yeah, you, you having a bye week and, and getting some some guys a little bit of rest would have helped. Um, but that game, if the Packers had any, you know, if they had made the Super Bowl and had any hope of of winning that game, it would have had to have been about a forty five forty contest because I don't think there was any realistic shot of of the defense um, holding Brady down with with the issues that that were in there in the secondary last season. Mm-hmm. So th- this season. You know, di- different story this season. We'll get to that, but um, sure, yeah, sure. Feel, feeling a lot better about it moving forward. Well, speaking of uh, the free agency period, um, 
you know, I'm I'm looking at your free agent losses, and it's basically a who's who of your <laughs> roster. I mean, but it's yeah. you know when when you when you're playing well, people want a part of your success, and that includes stealing your your players. I mean, Jared Cook is gone. Micah Hyde, who I wanted to be in a Bear uniform so badly, just because number one, he serves a huge need for yep. the Bears, in the, and he's yeah. a utility guy in the secondary as well. So, I mean, he can play corner, he can play the slot, he can play safety. We needed help in all three of those areas, and we could have gotten it all in one guy if we if we had just uh, signed him. But um, he goes off to Buffalo. Dayton Jones stays in division at Minnesota. Eddie Lacy is taking his weight problems to Seattle. Uh, TJ Lang <laughs> stays in, in division in Detroit. Uh, Julius Peppers goes home to Carolina, and J.C. Treader uh, goes for the money in, in Cleveland. I mean, those are big losses for you guys. Yeah, for sure. And and, and when you think about it, Lang leaving, Treader leaving, um, combine that with the inexplicable release of Josh Sitton at the end of training camp last year, and that's three of the Packers' four best interior linemen who've left the team in the last 12 months. Wow. So there's, you know, the, the, they've certainly got a, a real good center in Corey Lindsley, who's probably going to be due for an, um, a contract extension this year. Um, Lane Taylor did a great job filling in for Sitton last year. He's he's not an all-pro like Sitton, Sitton is, but um, he, he certainly held his own. He's a plus pass protector, um, and, and he did more than enough to, to give you confidence in him moving forward. And then I thought they did a fantastic job of actually going out and filling a need with a low-priced veteran free agent, something that Ted Thompson almost never does when they picked up Jari Evans from New Orleans to, mm-hmm. to fill T.J. Lang's spot. Because that way... They did that, I think, two days before the draft or the day right before the draft, and that essentially eliminates the need for finding a plug-and-play starter at guard in the draft. A guy like, you know, Forrest Lamp was one of the, the most heavily mocked picks leading up to uh, to, to the end of April, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got Jerry Evans. That that need is really kind of off the table, and you can wait and take a, a project guy who who can sit for a year or two and um, and develop some some players for for depth behind him. So so I thought that was a, a real good move. But just overall, this this off season is Ted Ted Thompson doing very un Ted Thompson like things in free agency. Um, same thing with losing Cook. He goes out and signs Martellus Bennett, and then he goes out and signs Lance Kendricks as a as a second tight end. Um, if you ask me, Bennett versus Cook is a definite upgrade overall in terms of um, the quality of the player the Packers are getting. Right. Bennett is a, a plus blocker. Cook was essentially a glorified big slot receiver. So um, then you bring in Kendricks, who's he's able to line up on, on the line on, in the slot as an H-back. Um, you get a lot more positional vers- or versatility and just different formations that you can use these guys in. Um, and, and both of them are big-time upgrades over either Cook or even Richard Rodgers as blockers. So that's I thought both of those were great moves. The Bennett signing comes with really not that much guaranteed money and not that much cash in the first year, um, which which makes a ton of sense for the Packers. So, so I thought that was a terrific move. And then just a couple of other good veteran free agent signings Devon House the corner uh, he comes back and then uh, Ricky Jean Francois is another one that we're pretty excited about getting some more depth on the D line so it's a uh, definitely a, a very unpackers like uh, off season when it comes to free agency this year yeah it was definitely uh, eyebrow raising uh, for sure when uh, when Martellus Bennett signed because you know you and I have had conversations already where I think last year we were I'm like, whoa, the Packers signed two free agents last year. It's like, whoa. (laughs) 
you know, what's going on there? You know, it's like yeah. Jared Cook and and I think you guys sent a de- defensive player uh, last year as as free agents. It's like, whoa, what's yeah. what's up with that now? You know, so not only did you replace Jerry Cook, you doubled down and got a Lance Kendricks out there uh, as well. You go out and you replace, uh, you know, you, you lose another couple of linemen. You go out and you get Jari Evans. You sign Davin House to to come in and, and maybe fill in a void that, that Micah Hyde left behind. And, and uh, you know, uh, Gene Francois to, to, to help add some depth to the uh, defensive uh, line as, as, as well. So, I mean, Ted Thompson doing some actual work from January to, to April. You don't really see that too much, uh, uh, especially up there in, in, in Packerland. It's more about uh, drafting replacements than it is about signing them. Right, and I, and I think one of the ones that kind of gets overlooked because he was a free agent but he stayed is uh, re-signing Nick Perry to a big deal. Um, if, if they didn't have him back, it would basically, basically be the Clay Matthews show at outside linebacker and then a whole bunch of first and second year guys who we don't really have any idea if they can play yet so so perry coming back you got a, a solid run defender on the edge and he had a terrific season as a pass rusher last year so so that really was a, a critical uh signing for for the packers to bring him back um to, to help out that defense this year yeah so now we go on to the draft and you're saying that the jari evans signing opened things up for you guys uh in the draft and um it was um the first two picks well number one you trade yourselves out of the first round um, to add some picks, which is such yep. a Ted Thompson move. And then uh, the first pick of the second round belongs to you guys. And even though there was heavy rumors about trading that pick as well, you stand firm, take Kevin King, the cornerback from Washington. Uh, almost 30 picks later in the bottom half of the second round, John Josh Jones, I should say, from South Carolina or North Carolina State, yep. uh, a safety right off the top, adding the, adding the secondary uh, pieces. Yeah, and it's it's clearly a, a sign of, of Thompson recognizing where some of the deficiencies are in his roster. But you also, just in this entire draft class, and, and we'll see it as we go through it, but the Packers really put a high priority on overall all athleticism. And it's something they've done for a while now. But Kevin King was probably a third-round pick until he ran at the Combine. And you know, running a, I think he ran a 4-4-2 or 4-4-3 or something – Real good time, but he's also six three, and he had like a a forty inch vertical and a twelve foot broad jump, and just in, insane cone times and things. And so, so he 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 had a, a workout for the ages, and and I definitely think that was something that um, the Packers see him as a, a a real nice piece of clay that they can give to Joe Witt, the corners coach, and just let him mold this guy over the next year or two into a, a terrific corner because he's got literally every every physical tool, tool you could possibly ask for. Uh, with Jones, he's going to be interesting because you'll see him playing, I think, a lot of the Morgan Burnett role where you'll see him in the box um, largely as a strong safety, but you're also going to see him play a lot of linebacker in the nickel and dime. Um, he's a big physical guy and um, kind of in that Deion Buchanan role uh, where they where they have him in, in Arizona. He'll be that in-the-box safety who plays some linebacker at times too. Mm-hmm. So in uh, you got um, you got a third rounder, a defensive tackle from from Auburn. You got a, a Wisconsin guy, which you Packer fans always seem to go crazy over when you finally draft someone from mm-hmm. within the state of Wisconsin. A, a linebacker, Vince Beagle, Beagle, um, Beagle. Yep. Yeah, and then the first of three running backs, Jamal Williams out of uh, BYU, and fifth round Aaron Jones, running back from UTEP, and the seventh round Devontae May, running back from from Utah State. And in there you got a 
You got another wide receiver who I'm sure will learn his name at some point uh, as far as you know him <laughs> performing, which they always do somehow. Um, I know that Rodgers probably has more to do with that than anything else. Then you you, you know you got the the guard project that you alluded to earlier, and then Kofi Amicia, there's a name for you, South Carolina, yep. a guard center, so he's an interior guy, and then another wide receiver to cap things off, Malachi Dupree, wide receiver from from uh, from LSU. So starting with your your running backs and, and going down, what uh, what gems are you happy about that uh, Thompson got a hold of? Well, I think we're really happy about. Not not just the running backs, but the different types of running backs that they have. Um, one of the guys, Paul at APC, and has really brought me around to this line of thinking, and he's written about it a number of times. But um, he, he's a big fan of the way the New England Patriots handle the running back position. You've got a bruiser, you've got a scat back, you've got an all-around kind of receiving, blocking, running you know, c- complete running back. And I think that's what the Packers are trying to go for. You're going to have guys for different situations so jamal williams is more of the the powerful slasher type of running back uh, aaron jones the fifth round pick is your your traditional third down back he's a little smaller he's a great receiver he's a, a solid pass blocker and then you you get a little bowling ball in Devonte mays to, to kind of round it all out so guys with very different skill sets um, all good athletes but they bring a little something different to the table and that that will give mccarthy a little bit of um extra creativity with how he uses these guys um, especially as you know you're going into the season again with Ty Montgomery as your starter but you've got different options to to fill in for him in in very different ways so I really like what they did with that position well, speaking of running back um, here's the one thing that bothered me about the whole Ty Montgomery thing <laughs> was that I mean and, and here's, uh, let me I mean, see if I know where you're going for here but go for it was the the fact that everyone just marveled at how well he played at running back when he was a college running back. He uh-huh. was a converted to wide receiver when he got to Green Bay. So the fact that he became a running back again and was succeeding at it really shouldn't have been as mind-blowing as the media played it up to be. I mean, I, I, thought, it, you know, I thought it was great that, that he was doing well and all that kind of stuff, but it's like everyone just acting like they took uh, you know, Tyleek Hill or something like that and made him a running back, and he was just tearing it up or something like that, a guy that was always a returner or a receiver or something like that, and then put him in the unnatural position of running back when running back was all this kid played until he got to Green Bay. Well, I'll, I'll correct you a little bit there. He played he played a lot of receiver at Stanford, but he was a, very, a real versatile guy. He was kind of used a little bit in a Christian McCaffrey-like role in that he did take he did take carries out of the backfield. He was a special teams guy. Um, he did line up at receiver probably – half to two-thirds of his snaps. So I'll, I'll correct you a little bit there. But you are correct entirely in that he's got a running back body. He's got a running back skill set. And there were a lot of people who even said that if he had been trying to play running back instead of receiver coming on into the draft, um, that he would have been drafted higher. So so I, I, to- I totally agree with with the fact that it shouldn't have been nearly as much a surprise based on, on what was known of him coming in. Uh, um, I thought you were actually going to go with him sticking with number 88, even though he made the position switch to running back. Um, I, I love to I love to make fun of people who freak out about that because it's just fundamentally like, what, why why do we care? Um, <laughs> but um, no, I'm, I'm I'm glad that wasn't uh, that wasn't where you were going there. I, I I hear you entirely with with the the running back switch thing though, and and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do as a pass blocker this year with a full off season under his belt. Yeah, it was just a little a, a little annoying. I mean, it's it's it wasn't a brand new position to him. He'd played the position 
before. So it's not like they pulled him out of the secondary and made him a running back or anything like that. This is a position that he was familiar with. And, you know, it, it, I think it's just because the Packers were desperate for running back help. And this guy turned out to be the answer. And, you know, that's why, and and I, and I, and I agree that that's definitely a story that making this guy uh, the running back when this was the last thing they were expecting him to be when things got started and he becomes the man and will be going forward. But to, to make it sound like this was a completely unnatural position, like there's no way in hell he should be succeeding, and look at what he's doing. It's amazing. Like, not really. He, he's known <laughs> yeah. that he's played the position before. It's, you know, it's great that he's doing well, and it's definitely a story that, from the perspective of the Packers needed help and they found it in-house, with, as, as opposed to having to go outside to, to bring somebody in and, and all that kind of stuff. It just looked like a stroke of genius on Mike McCarthy's part to – to you know, to put the guy in that spot and 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 see what happens, as opposed to, you know, the 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 absolute miracle that it turned out to be, uh, you know, that this wide receiver could also play running back. Yeah, I just wonder if if it has something to do with the fact that guys just fundamentally don't change positions in the NFL. Like it it pretty much never happens. You might have once in a while a guy go from you know a defensive tackle to an end or or, or something like that, but fundamentally you're you're playing. Uh, a similar similar position, you know, guard to tackle, etc. But um, you don't see guys switch off between offensive skill positions very often. You don't see them going from the secondary to linebacker, etc. So I, I just wonder if the novelty factor really played into it for the the way the media portrayed it. Right. No, I I, I get it. I just um, yeah. you know, they just yep. Every week they just beat that right into the ground. So. You know, and which which goes back to that to that the uh, the second game against the Bears uh, in Chicago, um, that game drove me nuts, man. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, because number one, the, the announce team was really playing that up huge uh, in the game, was talking about the whole Ty Montgomery to running back switch, and then what made it worse yep. was not so much that Montgomery was doing was was because he had those big plays, you, you know, those big runs. Uh, and everything. My issue was more with our defense in that game, in the fact that for whatever reason, it didn't really appear like they respected him, yep. and you know, were, were more like trying to to whack at the ball or you know do something to like for whatever reason they weren't expecting him to run like a running back. They were expecting yep. him to run like a receiver and just be able to blow him over. And all he did was just keep his head down and keep running. So, you know, and it just these big runs, these huge runs, these 40-yard runs, 60-yard runs, whatever they whatever they were where everyone's kind of trying to olay tackle the guy and he's running it through uh like a running back. I mean, as a Bears fan watching my defense do that drove me nuts during that game. Yeah, I can understand that and um I, I kind of noticed the same thing and and then all of a sudden you think about it and you realize, "Oh, he's he's built like a running back. He's 6 foot and 220 pounds yeah you know you can't you can't take him down the same way you can take down a randall cobb who's 510 and a buck 90 <laughs> so I, I think that's um yeah they might have fallen into that trap a little bit of like you said maybe not taking him seriously like they should yeah so that was that was a huge damper and you know in the in the first half watching that go and it's just like seriously guys just wrap him up and take him down because he's just gonna keep running through these little sissy arm tackles you keep throwing at him because you think it's going to be enough to knock him down because of the number on his chest. And mm-hmm. uh, that one drove me crazy there uh, for a while. So I digress. So, <laughs> you know, anything else in the off season that you were particularly happy about? I mean, I didn't uh, keep track of who you guys re-signed. You alluded to one before. Was there anyone else that, 
that stayed in Green Bay that you uh, that you were happy stuck around? Um, I think uh, Perry was really the only big name who hit free agency and actually came back, which okay. is a little unusual. That's, that's one area where the Packers really try to retain their own guys. Um, you, you mentioned earlier about Vince Beagle, the Wisconsin guy. There, there was a lot of drama in Green Bay when they traded down out of the 29th pick. Um, because so many Wisconsin native fans wanted T.J. Watt right. with that pick, um, and and then you know he goes the very next pick at number thirty to the Steelers, where you know I think that's a great fit for him. But um, I, you got the feeling Thursday night, and even a little bit into uh, Friday night after rounds two and three got done, that. Um, that that a lot of Packers fans were really upset that that they traded away and, and that pick and didn't get Watt. And then all of a sudden the first pick of the fourth round comes up on Saturday and it's Vince Beagle and all is forgiven. So it was, it was just kind of funny, but, but Beagle's a great guy. I got a chance to talk to him at the combine. Um, he's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. He's a, a real smart player. Um, I, I think what you're going to get with Beagle is you've got a more polished pass rusher coming out of, of college than you have in Watt. He's had more success. He's played the position longer. Um, and and honestly, they're actually pretty similar athletically uh, in terms of speed and and um, strength and explosiveness and everything. So from that perspective, um, I, I, I certainly think the Packers got a bargain uh, getting getting that pick for basically they got the pick for Beagle as the the compensation for moving down a couple spots to uh, to take King. And so I, I think all in all that that bargain worked out. Uh, really well you get a guy at two need positions instead of just filling one and uh, somebody in Beagle who I think can has a chance to contribute right away behind Matthews and Perry so that's that's the one other big one that I that I wanted to touch on so we go into the schedule for uh, 2017 and this was something that Jeremy Reisman and I talked about quite a bit was that um, you know with the AFC North and the NFC South it's it turns out to be a lot more daunting of a schedule than one could than one thought of uh, going into it, because in in the north you got Pittsburgh, who was last year's division champ, Baltimore, who improved over the off season, Cincinnati, who had a down year and could possibly you know return to form, and then Cleveland had a pretty awesome off season as well. So mm-hmm. you never know. There it is, the NFL after all. And then in the NFC South, there's a lot of questions there, but the potential to be a nightmare to try to get yourself through. You got Carolina. Which which season was the the truth and which one's the anomaly? Was 2015 mm-hmm. the anomaly and 2016 the truth, or was it the other way around? And they're going to be a force to deal with once again. Atlanta can they? They're still a great team, but can they shake off the Super Bowl loser jinx that several have not been able to? Uh, New Orleans is a defense away from being a playoff team because Drew Brees still putting up 5,000 yard seasons regardless of who they have around him, and then Tampa Bay is right now like everyone's sexy pick to be that new playoff team this year because of the way that they finished the season last year going from 2-6 and six to 9-7 and seven, uh, and almost making the playoffs. So, I mean, all of a sudden you put that into the schedule and things look pretty ugly for, for us NFC North teams. Yeah, it's um, it's going to set up interestingly, and, and I'm just really glad from – from looking at last year's schedule that the Packers have um, a little bit more balanced home and away splits this year, because last year was, I think we talked about it last, last summer. Um, yeah, like you, you, know, they had the, uh, you were gone for like the entire month of October or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Home. There was, I think four out of five weeks, the, the 
Packers were on the road at one point, and and that's you know, that's obviously going to be tough on anybody. So that from that perspective, it's a little little bit more balanced, and we've got a bye week in week eight instead of in like week three or four like we did last year. So mm-hmm. that'll help out, I think, um, quite a bit. Um, and it's like you said, I think that the South is definitely a division that has, like you said, a lot of talent, um, a lot of question marks, but mm-hmm. but there's a lot of of good players in, in, in that division. I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina does um, bounce back with a, with a pretty strong season this year. Um, what, what I'm most worried about with Carolina is defending their first two draft picks, uh, Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that they drafted both of those guys because to me, they're kind of the same player in a sense that they're, you know, they played mostly running back um, in college, but you know, Samuel switched to, to receiver at the end of the year, but they also, I mean, they both played a lot out of the backfield. Um, throughout their entire entire seasons and they've got that, that kind of running and receiving skill set so those two guys i think they'll they'll plan on complimenting each other um kelvin benjamin should be back so he'll be um he'll be dangerous again so so they i think um i wouldn't be surprised if carolina uh, i wouldn't be shocked if carolina actually ends up winning that division um i'm not a i'm not buying in on tampa yet um, mainly because I'm not buying in on Jameis Winston. Uh, his turnover numbers have, have been ugly, uh, even in the second year, even though they were um, successful down the stretch. So yeah. um, I think he's got a little ways to go to, to prove to me that he's going to be um, a, a top-level quarterback. Yeah, but uh, that's, like you said, the, the AFC North, too, that, that's always a fun uh, a fun division to play against. You, they're kind of the mirror image of the NFC North, I feel like, in the yeah. – um, in the AFC, at least just in the, the terms of the, some of the styles of play and the, the, the fan bases are kind of similar. And I guess maybe some of that is just being from, you know, you've got Ohio and, and Pennsylvania in there as opposed to the, the upper Midwest and the NFC. So maybe you get a little bit of Midwest similarities there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and also, you know, Pittsburgh would be the Green Bay of the division and, uh, you know, Baltimore, I guess, would kind of be like the Minnesota uh, of it. And Cincinnati is, is the Detroit because, you know, they they sometimes they're succeeding sometimes they don't which unfortunately in this analogy makes the bears the browns uh i i didn't want to say it i'm glad yeah, that you you I'm, went I there kind of, and, and kind of painted I, I myself gonna... into a corner there didn't i but <laughs> you know as far as the division stand right now that's pretty accurate with the way right. that uh with the way things stand uh at the moment but it's like if you mirror these two uh divisions side by side that's that's kind of how it lines up and unfortunately that lines us up with a team that can't figure out how to do much of anything uh, historically, uh, or since they returned to the NFL, uh, that is so. Um, you know, but it, it was just like looking at the looking at the schedule. You mentioned earlier, you start home against Seattle. You're you're at Sunday Night Football to to open the new stadium with the Falcons. Home for Green Bay, or excuse me, home for Cincinnati, and then the quick turnaround for Thursday Night Football uh, for the Bears. So I mean, the first four games just right out of the bat, right off the bat. Um, you know, not going to be easy to get through. I mean, I think you guys will do fine, but, you know, you're going to carry some lumps into that Week 5 game at Dallas for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. Well, and you know Dallas is going to be out for blood after the way uh, the divisional round game finished up. So <laughs> yeah. that'll be the Return to the scene of the crime on, on that yep. one. And uh, yeah. then you're at Minnesota, then home for New Orleans to close out the, the first half of the schedule for your Week 8 um, bye. So, I mean, it's... Um, you know, also, you know, being a first place team, you got Dallas and uh, Seattle uh, as yep. your same place opponents. To uh, you know, you get them both in the first half of the uh, first half of the season. 
Then after the bye, you're home for the Lions at Chicago. So we get done fairly early with you guys this mm-hmm. year. Um, home for Baltimore yep. and then at Pittsburgh for Sunday night uh, Sunday night football. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's going to be an interesting stretch. Um, really, that that week seven game against New Orleans that you mentioned. I'm just really really grateful that that the Packers get New Orleans at home this year. Um, the last couple times they've gone down to the Superdome, it's been pretty ugly. So um, for for whatever reason, they they kind of have the Packers number in in New Orleans. So having that one at home has been big. Same thing with Seattle. Um, that 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 home road split for that series always seems to be big. Um, Pittsburgh is going to be a, a, an interesting game. Um, obviously, again, they're you know that's a that's a great team with a, a some some real good athletes on defense and. And certainly a, uh, a a scary offense um, that that should be, you know, probably the equal of just about any other one in the league. I'm not looking forward to to seeing Le'Veon Bell running against the the Packers defense. So so hopefully the front seven will will prove to be a little more stout uh, than they were down the second half of the season last year. And then the next game, that's the one that I'm really interested in because we talked about them a second ago in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because you get them week 13 as opposed to the Bears, we get them week two. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really going to be a tale of two vastly different teams, probably from one end to the other, as opposed to who the Bears face and who the Packers face at that point in the season. We're talking the first weekend in December as opposed to the second weekend in September uh, for the Bears. I mean, everybody's just barely getting their feet under them, still recovering from the first game, and then here comes the you know here comes week two, whereas opposed to week thirteen. Now we're talking about playoffs positions and wild card this and so on and so forth. The stakes are definitely raised at this point and what kind of team you're going to be facing at that point in the year. Right. And frankly, there might be about a hundred degree temperature swing between the Bears game at Tampa in week two yeah. and Tampa's game in Lambeau in week thirteen. So so that'll be a, a factor there as well. But but yeah, playing them late in the season, um, I mean, certainly they could surprise me and and be in the in the thick of that playoff mix. So that'll certainly be a big game, if nothing else, from you know from NFC uh, from conference record tiebreaker perspective, and and certainly from just a, an overall um, playoff seating. That that should be a big one. And then three out of four on the road to close out the schedule. You're at Cleveland, at Carolina, home for the Vikings, and then for the. Th- what third time in four years you're at Detroit uh-huh. to uh, close out the uh, schedule? So if it works out the same, you guys are going to be battling out for the NFC crown or NFC North crown uh, once again. But you're going to be doing it in uh, in the um, Ford Field. That's the name of the place. Yep. Uh, to, yeah, uh, it's to try to bang that out. Yeah, it, it was funny when when this, the schedule came out. We're thinking we had the exact same Week 16 and Week 17 matchups as the as they had last year uh <laughs> home for home in minnesota against minnesota and then at detroit to, to, to close it out so um just kind of interesting how that that shakes out um the bears had something similar i mean obviously we have mm-hmm. the same finisher we're at minnesota for the second year in a row third time in yeah. four years but we're also playing the 49ers on the exact same day for the third year in a row that's bizarre yeah week, <laughs> week 13 this year is december 3rd Last year, week 13 was December 4th. The year before that, it was December 5th. All the same day, all the same Sunday, all San Francisco coming to Chicago. So three years, three years in a row that, that, that that's happening, they're coming to, uh, coming to Chicago on the same day. It's like, man, who did the 49ers piss off that they have to go to Chicago <laughs> in December three years in a row? 
Yeah, no kidding. That's that's kind of crazy. It's always funny how the schedules come out though, and how they get made. I mean, it's it's a fascinating process, and these they they have so many different inputs and and requests that they have to to accommodate. It's it's amazing yeah. that they can come up with anything at all at this point. Yeah, they have to. I mean, that's the thing, you know. Because when I was a kid, I I created my own football league because I was a I was an artist and I liked to draw, so I drew a bunch of logos and I made teams and. I even went through the meticulousness of creating a schedule, and I can't tell you what a bitch that was, <laughs> trying to put uh-huh. together a schedule. And I had a 32-team league myself. That, I, that's how many teams oh, I created, man. trying to put together a schedule. for, And it ended up being some kind of a cheat where basically everyone played the same kind of game. Like everyone, like the, the NFC North mm-hmm. played the NFC North on or AFC North on this, yep. this week and all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine what it would be like to have to accommodate for – Oh, the the Ravens can't play here because the Orioles are in town, or there's a right. concert at this stadium. So you know the Bruce Springsteen's in town, so he's got the stadium this weekend, or you know all that other stuff that they have to uh, account for just to put a schedule out. So I mean, it's like I've, I've alluded to before about them getting lazy about giving the the Bears the same you know finisher for the last three seasons or whatever it is but uh you know the fact that they can get one out is pretty much a miracle just about every year so it's uh you know yep. crazy all that they have to factor in even though they have a computer doing a lot of the heavy lifting but the the, the it's there's still a lot of grunt work that goes into it yeah it's uh it's impressive the just just like i said all the all the inputs and things so it's i don't envy the guys who have to to go through you know the the schedules submissions that that come out of the computer and and verify that every little item has been checked off right yeah that's that's got to be a pain so a couple more things before i let you go um number one you were the one person that i don't think responded uh to this little uh question i threw out there uh Uh before the draft on twitter i i sent a message to you uh jeremy reisman and chris gates my nfc north brethren if you will asking you who do you want the bears to pick as opposed to like What's the last thing the Bears should do in this draft? Like, <laughs> if you see the Bears make a pick and they, and what's what's the pick that's going to be like? Oh, that is so awesome! I am so happy that that happened. You didn't get back to me. Jeremy got to I'm me. I'm be- sorry. Got to me before uh, and said, and you know, a, any quarterback. And I quote, "That's what he said. <laughs> any quarterback is what they said." And Chris Gates uh, got back uh, after the pick had happened. Um, also saying that uh, he thought that the quarterback would be the wrong way to go. Where would you have landed on that had you gotten back to me on time? I probably would have been in, in the same boat there. Um, and to, to be honest, when the, the trade-up was the best part for, for Packers fans because not only you know, <laughs> did the Bears get a quarterback, but they traded away some resources to get it. All of us were thinking, oh, crap, they're going to go up, they're going to get Solomon Thomas, and yeah. they're going to have – you know, a top flight edge rusher for the foreseeable future. Um, and I have a heck of a lot more faith in John Fox and Vic Fangio developing a pass rusher than I do developing a quarterback. So I, I, I that one must have got lost in the shuffle. So I apologize for that. But yeah, I probably would have landed somewhere in that same boat. Yeah. Well, and especially after having signed Mike Glenn in this offseason, too. Yeah. Um, you know, using using that all those resources to, to get him now, if you know, if if he develops, if he turns out, then you know, then then it, it's going to be worth every pick and every penny that they spent on him. Mm-hmm. And that's un- you know, unfortunately, in the NFL nowadays, that's the price you have to pay to to take a chance on these guys. Yeah. So I'm I get just, it. I I get why they did it 
to a point. But I, I think they're I would have if I were a Bears fan, I would have been much happier if they had traded down to get a guy like um, you know, Mahomes or even Deshaun Watson later on in the first round and then add more more resources in the draft because um they got a lot of holes on that team and yeah. you know it, it should have been a, a look to trade back and get one of the other guys, not to uh to trade up and, and get Trubisky. That's just the way I look at it. Completely agree. And also uh, the other thing that, that kind of angered me in the draft was that we gave up the spot to take Jamal Adams or Solomon Thomas uh, at number three, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name, Kaiser, made it all the way to like 52 before <laughs> yep. before uh, Cleveland picked him up. So I mean, we could have yeah. even we could have even picked him, let him sit behind Glennon for a year or two or whatever, and then you know go from go from there but instead we go all in on Trubisky take a third and a fourth round pick uh and a third for next year to to do it to move up one spot uh you know and and for for you guys the trade was you know that was the fun part for you guys that was uh-huh. the kicker for Bears yep. fans was the yeah. trade was not only did we we move up you know you know we gave up those spots to to take him um you know when when basically everything that we're hearing was that he'd have been there at 3 if we wanted right. him um, so that was the the part that kind of really <sighs> burned my britches on that one. That one that was you know I'm still pissed off about it. I, I'm, you know I mean he's ours now, so I'm rooting for him. There's no way I'm going to sit here and be happy about it if he doesn't succeed or anything. Right. It'll just be that I told you so moment, God forbid, uh, that happens, and I will be happy to be on the other end of that. Yep. You know for Ryan Pace to be able to tell the whole you know to tell Bears fans I told you guys. He was going to be worth every penny or worth every, you know, pick that we gave up to get him and so on. I and mean, I look forward to that day, you know, but until it gets here, it wasn't the right move. It just wasn't. Right. So yep. uh, that's just how uh, how this Bear fan feels about that. And uh, some of my listeners are tired of hearing me talk about it. But, <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting on my next show because the, we're doing our final Bears preview. And the guy that I'm having on the show was one of those guys that was clanging for the Bears to grab a quarterback with that top pick. So uh, to, to talk to him and find out what the hell he was thinking on that one uh, and, and why he thought and, and that of all, you know, even after signing Glennon, he still thought it was that's the move the Bears should make. And it just it baffles me even now, even since the Bears went ahead and did it. It's, it's like I still can't figure out what the hell we were thinking there. So oh, that that ought to make for some good audio then. Oh, I'm sure it will. You might want to <laughs> tune into that one yourself. So uh, uh, anyway, Evan, as always, uh, great to have you. Uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, week four, we're going to have to figure out how to get together during that tight week there because, uh, you know, we got a Thursday night game as our as our first matchup of the year. I think some, I think I read it was like the the ninth year in a row the Bears are, and Packers are playing a national TV game this year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're, uh, yeah. they're piling. And I think they said it was like the seventh in Lambeau. Big surprise. That it's actually- <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I remember hearing some, some complaints from Bear fans that every time we're on national TV, it's in Lambeau instead of at Soldier Field. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with that, to be honest with you. Um, it's it's a, it's a definitely a prettier stadium than the one the Bears <laughs> have, uh, for sure. So uh, And if and if you got to watch the Bears lose on national TV, I don't want to watch them do it at Soldier Field. So <laughs> There you, know, you go. That's just one of those backhanded things that uh, we Bear fans have. If i got to watch them lose, I don't want to watch them lose at home. Let's... You know, let them lose on the road where you're supposed to lose, kind of. You know what I mean? So there you go. I guess I'd rather watch them do it there than uh, I just hope that the. How did you feel about the all white unis for Color Rush last year? I I didn't hate it. Um, okay, that would be fundamentally the way that I would put it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't hate it. If They either had to have gone all white or all green. If they went with an all like yellow or all gold, Ugh. that that would not have flown for me. But, I mean, fundamentally, they were able to use the same... I mean, it's the same jersey as their road jersey. All they had to do is change the pants, right. and and I I don't mind that. I'm I'm used to all whites being a Wisconsin Badger fan, sure. and and that being Badgers road un- uniforms are, are solid whites. So, um, it's it's totally fine with me. Yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's better than some of the other options they could have come up. with. Oh, for sure, for sure. That. You know, because I've you know the I think we we talked about it before because it was something I pounded into the ground last year. Was that whole color rush thing? Was that the first color swatch uh, for the color rush? Was the Bears in orange and the Packers in yellow? I mean, talk mm-hmm. about an eyesore for a game. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like I agree, it's like the the all blue for the Bears wasn't a bad look. I didn't yep. hate it. Would probably be the best way that I would put it. So yeah, I, I yep. would agree with you on that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a good look, but it uh it could have been a lot worse. Uh, exactly with the, with the the all orange or god help me. Um <laughs> and then, you know, like you guys could have gone all yellow or all green, which would have looked really weird. Um yep. especially with yellow stripes on the side and it's just it, yeah, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a good look. So, yeah, I mean it it was I guess the best scenario that we could have asked for considering what an abomination all of those uniforms turn out to be. Uh-huh. But uh, it definitely wasn't uh, like, oh, this looks awesome. We should do this more often. At so, least it wasn't like the ketchup mustard game between the Buccaneers and Rams a, yeah. a year or two ago. So that, that was that was the can, crux. Can, yep. That was the crux of my argument. So, like, we cannot. We got to stop this color rush thing because we uh-huh. can't keep having the ketchup and mustard bowl. Uh, you know, with these two teams, especially since the Rams were were blue and gold. <laughs> And yellow yep. was like a secondary throwback color, and that that became uh-huh. the color they wore that game. It's just anyway. But um, <laughs> anyway, again, uh, look forward to having you on that week, and um, definitely. And uh, you know, we'll have you on and, and preview the game, see how where things are looking, because um, the Bears have started out zero and three the last two seasons, and this year we have Atlanta at home on the road for Tampa Bay. Home for Pittsburgh before coming to Lambeau on Thursday night football, so we could be staring down the barrel of zero and four, playing yeah. you guys uh, that week with the schedule that we have in front of us. I mean, that was a, a graphic they released with uh, when the schedule came out. It was like the Bears, I think, were number three of uh, in the league for the first eight games as far as winning percentage for their for their opponents. So Oof. we have the entire Oof. NFC South: uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Green Bay and Minnesota. Uh, in the first uh, eight games, so it's uh, it's going to be ugly for sure. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think I'd be thrilled if we were three and five again after after eight games uh, this year. I'll say is start start Glennon. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'd, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm fully on board with that. And just real quick, my my argument for not wanting the quarterback it had nothing to do with Trubisky or Watson or Mahomes or anything like. Just like you said. There are too many holes. This team isn't ready for the to project quarterback or to you know have a guy grow up with the team or anything like that. I figured that I feel the Bears are more of a build build the team, then get your quarterback kind of organization. And we still have a lot of work to do as far as putting the team uh, together. I mean, he's got a defense, decent offensive line in front of him. He'll have Jordan Howard behind him. Then what? You know, yep. you don't really have anyone for him to throw the ball to. Jeffrey is gone. Bennett's a Packer now. You know, Brandon Marshall is long gone, and, and, you know, we don't know about Kevin White. And, you know, basically we signed whoever would agree to sign with us as opposed to going out and getting, you know, people worth having uh, this year. So it was just a bad offseason 
uh, all the way around. And then drafting the quarterback and giving up draft picks on top of it was just the icing on the cake for me. So, anyway, um, we're going to go ahead and let you go, Evan. I appreciate you taking the time on your uh, weekend to talk with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the uh, end of September there to preview that Thursday nighter. You got it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you then. And as always, thanks for having me. Go Pack Go. <laughs> Always have to throw that in. Evan Western, Acme Packing Company on SB Nation, helping us preview the Bears and the Packers. Not really previewing Bears Packers, but more Packers 2017, and uh, want to thank Evan once again for being on the show. Look forward to having him back on uh, before that Thursday nighter in week number four. It's uh, going to be interesting to see where we're at at that point, because as I've mentioned a couple of times, with the schedule that the Bears have, especially in that first in the first eight weeks, I mean, the first four weeks is extremely daunting. You know, we have the Falcons, then we're you know with the Buccaneers. And the Steelers before the quick turnaround with uh, with Green Bay. It could be ugly uh, at that point uh, in the season. So it's uh, hopefully we'll have a win or a win or maybe two going into that one against uh, Green Bay. So it won't be such a desperate situation to get a victory. Um, you know, uh, in that in number one to get a victory period to get a victory over the division rival in on the road on national TV on a short week. Um, yeah, it would be uh, critical to at least have one win under our belt going into that Green Bay game just because, I mean, wins wins are going to be at a premium in these first eight games uh, for the Bears. So wherever we can get them, especially in that first four games, man, that's going to be critical. You know, anything anything to avoid a third straight 0-3 start would be fantastic uh, for the Bears. So hopefully the, we can uh, we can make that happen. But I um, want to thank Evan again for being on the show. Like I said, look forward to having him on week four to preview that uh, – that uh, that Thursday night game and uh, see what uh, what if any kind of color rush configuration we're going to have to deal with that night and um, uh, just where the teams are at basically as the first month of the season of the season concludes uh, that week and uh, you know get prepared to go into the second quarter of the uh, of the season and uh, you know the road ahead uh, for the Bears and the Packers so two very different expectations for these two football teams. Uh, Green Bay expected to not only make a run at the NFC North division once again, but, you know, as they have in the past several years, make a run for the NFC crown uh, itself. They've played in, you know, two of the last three uh, NFC championship games. They've won the division, uh, you know, several years. I think five out of six is what I said at the top of the show. Only 2015 where the the Vikings kind of stole it there at the end of the season uh, being the exception. Um, But... um, you know, and then the Bears, on the other hand, uh, basically playing not to get John Fox and Ryan Pace fired by the end of the season. I mean, that's that's the expectation uh, for the Bears is another low win season. But can they make enough progress to keep everybody around for year number four? So uh, two vastly different uh, expectations for these uh, for these franchises as far as league wide is concerned. I know the fan bases have different expectations uh, than that. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the Bears can make some kind of headway this year in the way of wins and losses as opposed to, well, they're playing on the f- playing better on the field, but they only won five games this year kind of thing. It's just uh, personally, uh, I'm sick of watching them lose. 
uh, more than they win. You know, I'd, I'd rather be doing some Victory Monday episodes this year when we only got to do three last season. So, uh, you know, would be much. And, and we didn't get to do any after week 13. Those last four games, we lost them all. So, uh, you know, we didn't get to do any happy end-of-the-season victory episodes. And there's a lot more complaining going on than there was uh, happiness and, and so on. We talked about that a bit with Evan going back over that uh, that, that second Packer loss um, last year. So, um, anyway, um, you know, we'll see where everything is at. And then we got them again uh, towards the end of the season. I think week 11, I said. Week, week, week 10, first game off of the, uh, off the bye. Uh, we got Green Bay in Chicago, so getting done with Green Bay early uh, this year, mid-November, as opposed to playing them in the in the heart of December like we did last year. So, um, um, you know, so we'll we'll see how it all goes, and uh, looking forward to uh, getting things wrapped up next week with Lauren. Uh, looking forward to that conversation uh, with him being one of the one of the people that was a staunch supporter of the fact the Bears need to go out and get a quarterback even after signing Mike Glenn. They still wanted the Bears to, you know, I, I still remember the tweets about them being excited that the Bears would be in a position at number three that all the quarterbacks would still be available. And obviously my mindset was then they should remain that way after the Bears make their choice. So, uh, you know, I, I, I still feel that way. If we could go back in time and I could stop Ryan Pace from doing it, I would uh, for sure. So anyway, um, I'm 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 looking forward to getting the season underway so we can stop talking about how much I hate the offseason and start talking about what what these you know start talking about you know what these guys are actually doing. Are they making contributions? Was Marcus Wheaton a good choice? Was Marcus Cooper a good choice? Was Prince of Mukamura a good signing instead of Stefan Gilmore, Logan Ryan or you know any of the other support or other guys that were out there? You, you know, is the combination of Quentin Demps and uh uh, you know, uh, Adrian Amos working out or, you know, are we going to miss not taking Jamal Adams? Are we going to miss not taking a Jonathan Allen or, you know, or anything like that as the season goes along, you know, is it going to support my theory of, uh, of, uh, the, ha- the bears having a lousy off season? Or are we going to start seeing some of these guys, you know, shine in their opportunity to play in Chicago, uh, and make something happen there? Are we going to surprise some people? this year that would be awesome to be able to do that to be able to say that you know what we really surprised some people we were eight and eight or seven and nine or whatever you know we really surprised some people in 2018 is looking fantastic or you know that it we're up we're going on an upswing going into 20 2018 as opposed to people still can you know thinking that we, we may have a brand new regime altogether when 2018 comes around let alone uh you know uh just anything to look forward to in that season so um, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready for this season to get underway so that we can start seeing whether or not I'm going to have to eat my words, which I will happily do, uh, if I'm proven wrong, uh, or, uh, or if I get to play the, I told you so game this year. So, uh, we'll see. I don't like being that guy. So I hope that I'm proven wrong. I really do. So anyway, uh, I believe it's Tuesday that we're going to be talking to, uh, Lauren, so on Wednesday, when the Bears report to camp, will be the or the week before, I should say, a one week to the day before the Bears report to camp on the 26th. Uh, the 19th is when that new episode will will drop, the final one, uh, as we preview the Bears and, and talk about everything, the offseason, the draft, and uh, look forward ahead to the schedule, maybe even dwell a little bit on 2016 because we all know what happened. We really don't need to go over it again. But, um, you know... We'll talk about it all and uh, 
put a nice little bow on it as we get ready to go into the training camp and the preseason. And then finally, the regular season to get things underway. So uh, be on the lookout for, uh, for the show next week. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.